It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, December 29th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday, it approved several updates to rules concerning commercial vendor and vehicle permitting at Harrigan Centennial Hall. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. In early December, the Assembly voted to change the process for obtaining commercial permits at the city building that serves as the primary pickup and drop-off point for cruise ship passengers in the summer months. The new rules require businesses to bid for vendor and outfitter spots outside the building instead of paying a flat fee and established annual permit rates for commercial vehicles like taxis and buses. Despite having already adopted new code, the Assembly believed there was still work to be done, and on Tuesday it approved several modifications to the rules. In response to requests from tour operators, it voted to increase the permit duration for vendors and outfitters from one year to three years, and to change the bidding process from sealed to an outcry auction. It also unanimously voted to fully eliminate the permit fee for electric vehicles. But there was considerable debate over the Fourth Amendment, which would increase the permit fee for large vehicles with 30 or more passengers from $1,000 to $2,000. Several members of the public said they agreed that fees should be increased, but asked the Assembly to slowly increase the amount over time. Michelle Barker owns Sitka Bike and Hike. These do need to be increased. You guys are right. But... We just were shut down for two years, and we're so in debt, and we're just really working to get all that COVID debt paid off. So consider a ramp-up period. Like, give us some time. The way our companies work is our pricing is already set for 2023. We can't change a thing until 2024. If we have these huge fees up front this year, that's going to hurt a lot of us. Trudy Pruitt owns Sitka Tours, one of a few companies that would be impacted by the large vehicle increase. She agreed with Barker that the fees should be increased, but the rates should ramp up. We've had a couple of years that have been tough. So delightful um, response this year that we built back up just a little bit. I would be feeling punished if what it is that you're asking uh, for me to have to point, you know, to pay out at this point in time. Sponsor Tor Christensen said the thinking behind increasing the rates was twofold. Large buses had the biggest impact on the community during last cruise season on traffic, emissions, and city infrastructure. And increasing the fees for the larger vehicles would equalize the rate all vehicles pay per passenger. Right now, the smaller passenger vehicles are paying significantly more per passenger, um, about twice, um, and depending on the size. And uh, plus, I know at least me personally, I feel that a large reason why we have to charge the higher fees is because of the large vehicles. Assemblymember Tim Pike agreed. Um, in terms of the impact those those vehicles have on this facility, this is the cost that um, we think would be reasonable. And it's actually per seat per year. Um, and some of those seats are filled multiple times a day. So, I mean, the cost per passenger is pretty minimal, um, even on these bigger, these bigger buses. So, yeah, I do understand um, the concern for going from zero to something, um, but the costs and impacts have changed significantly, and, and I think that's the main reason why I'm in support of this. But Mayor Steven Eisenbeis noted that the city used to pay the bus companies to bring passengers from the cruise terminal to Harrigan Centennial Hall. Going from subsidizing those trips to increasing the rate the tour buses pay is a big change. 
And the policy wouldn't just impact the larger tour operators. So when we come at this and we say that we can get more money, I would agree. I would think that Alaska Coach would pay $5,000 a bus. I think they'd pay $10,000 a bus to have a place to drop off. But we have to realize that that same fee, that same level of impingement is also going to go forward to a business like Sitka Tours. Is that really, is that who we want to be? Is that what we want to be? Ultimately, the assembly was split, with members Christensen, Pike, and J.J. Carlson voting in favor, and Kevin Mosher, Chris Yested, and Mayor Eisenbeis opposed. Member Crystal Duncan was absent. Since the ordinance didn't receive four no votes, it will advance to a final reading. But at that point, it will need a majority of assembly members to support it in order to pass. All four amendments will come before the assembly again at its next regular meeting on January 10th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. The eastern Aleutians received record rainfall in December. More than a week of solid rain led to flooding and mudslides in Unalaska, the region's largest city. But as KUCB's Theo Greenlee reports, the community of around 4,500 knows how to weather the storm. Okay, so what? So where does the water normally come up to, you said? Um, actually, this year, it is the fullest yeah. it's been uh, for the first time since I've been here, and we moved in. It's been almost 40 years. 40 years in this spot, and this, yeah. is, the, this is the highest it's been? Yeah. yeah. Gussie Dushkin and Brian Hatch live in a house in downtown Unalaska, right off Unalaska Lake. The water is flooded like this. Even though flooding isn't anything new here, Dushkin says this year feels different. But yeah, it's it. This happens like every three years. It seems like when it gets really heavy rain. But not quite this high. Not no. This is the highest it's been. So there used to be a, a fish house that was right out there when it would flood like this deep, like a, like for drying and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Dry fish rack. Dry fish rack. It would tip over. So after the water would recede, I'd have to go back out there with help and lift it back up. And the water would come up to like the edge of the house, but never like this high. My house sits on pilings, so the water I, has never touched the flooring. So, but this year I'm a little nervous because this is the highest it's been ever. <laughs> so, yeah. A typical December brings about six inches of rain to the community. But this year, by the third week of December, Unalaska had already received about 10 inches. Daily rain records were broken, and this month is already in the top 10 wettest Decembers on record, with still a few days left. The reason the rain hits so hard is because of an atmospheric river. Michael Lawson is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service. And he says a band of low pressure acted like a funnel to allow weather systems to move from the south to the north, directly across the eastern Aleutians. It's generally not as impactful if, you know, that stream is only over you for an hour or two hours or even or even a day. But when these things kind of set up in the same area and stall out, they can cause problems like you're seeing out there right right now. Lawson says this particular atmospheric river was a couple hundred miles wide, stretching roughly from Nikolsky to Sand Point. Even though it's moving, it's kind of pivoting overhead as low-pressure systems work work their way up along it and just continue to bring 
constant rain and wind, for that matter, to, to the area. Despite the undue weather, the city of Unalaska didn't receive excessive damage. Mudslides on a few roads led to closures, and Unice Seafood relocated some of their residents. But the city largely managed the storm without much ado. Assistant City Manager Bill Hompka led the city's emergency operations center, and he says the conditions did not meet the state statute for a declaration of emergency. Hompka says there was some property damage in the areas around Lake Drive, but there was no major citywide damage. He says the city was successful because people pitched in to help one another. So it really comes down to helping yourself and your neighbor. The Kowalungan tribe offered to move tribal members into hotel rooms if their homes flooded. Two people accepted the offer, but most opted to stay in their homes. That includes Dushkin and Hatch out on the lake. What would it take for me to, to leave? The water would be having to come into my house in order for me to walk away from it. But the teacher down there, he's got a, a pump system going right now, and he's pumping the part of the water out down through the drain system on the road. But I just talked to him a little while ago, and he said that he's going to have a friend bring over another one to put it on this side. The storm finally broke on December 22nd after nine days of nearly constant rain, making room for a cold front that brought the city a white Christmas. But the respite was short-lived. Tuesday evening brought rain, and as the year-end approaches, the forecast calls for more. Heavy at times. In Unalaska, I'm Theo Greenlee. Funding to buy a privately owned icebreaker was removed from the spending bill signed by President Biden on Friday. The decision delays plans to possibly dock an icebreaker in Juneau. The U.S. Senate passed the National Defense Authorization Act earlier this month. It gave the government permission to spend $150 million on an icebreaker called the IVIC. The removal of that funding from the spending bill means the purchase won't happen, at least for now. But Juneau City Manager Rory Watt says that won't stop the city from planning to homeport an icebreaker in the future. I think we still need to plan uh, for an icebreaker, but, you know, clearly it's not happening as soon as people thought. A new icebreaker could bring close to 200 Coast Guard personnel and their families to Juneau, according to Senator Dan Sullivan. Sullivan voted against the spending bill. In a statement, he said removing the icebreaker funding undermines Arctic security. On a call with reporters Friday, Senator Lisa Murkowski called it a frustrating but temporary setback. I think we will have yet another opportunity in this next appropriations um, uh, bill going forward. And I'm certainly going to be pushing to, to advance that. The IVIC would have been a temporary solution as the Coast Guard works to buy new icebreakers. The Coast Guard expects those to be ready in 2026 or 2027. The home port for those ships hasn't been decided yet, but Senator Sullivan has said Juno is on the short list. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.